This is Encounter with God time. We have corrected the quiz. I, yes, I, I like it when we correct the quiz. Yeah. <laughs> it does my ego get it does my ego good. To be like, no, incorrect. Very true. Anyway. So this morning, my dad's got the answer. Liam's mum has the answer. Yes. There we go. Um, so clue number but three. But that means it's still available for you. Yeah, it's still available for you because uh-huh. they can't get it. Uh-huh. Um, so th- uh, three times a day, Daniel prayed towards this city. What city was this? Okay, if you know the answer, then give us a call. Yep, on 1-800-324-843 or send us a text on 0491-064-669. We still have our prize, which is a devotional up for grabs. Indeed. All right, so we had a, uh, a text message come through in relationship to the story I was talking about in South Korea where the, the, the question has been asked, you know, isn't this democracy, um, you know, the, the freedom of speech against the government? Uh, no. Democracy means that the people can choose the government. It doesn't carry with it. It carries an implied um, right to be able to speak against the government but that does not mean that it is a legislated right. Mm. So, for instance, here in Australia, we don't have freedom of speech as you have, I think it is the Second Amendment in the US Constitution. Second Amendment? One of those amendments. Um, And so because we in Australia are kind of a vassal state of the United States, whether we like to admit it or not, (laughs) we just have to be realistic, There, we often assume a lot of... United States legislation applies to Australia. For instance, religious liberty as an inalienable right. We assume that that applies to Australia. There is no legal basis for that in Australia whatsoever at all. Whoa. But we also don't have the same like constitutionally thing that they have anyway. We don't, no, we don't. Well, we have a constitution, But yes. it's nothing like the same vibe. No, it's, it's, yeah. no it, has, it doesn't have the same vibe no. because, you know, as, um, you know, they're citizens of the United States, we're subjects of the British Empire, mm-hmm. um, and they're kind of two different things. <laughs> now, because of our culture, we have a very tolerant culture typically and a culture that, because of our culture, we've never made an issue over separation of church and state, religious liberty, the right to free speech, etc., etc. We've always just done it and it's assumed kind of been a that given. it's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, you get a situation where somebody—I'll uh, give you two examples that happened recently. One was uh, Black Black Lives Matter protest in Sydney, mm-hmm. where they were organising a protest and were refused a permit to have the process and took it through to the High Court, and the High Court said, "No, you can't have it." And so when they went to have it, the police broke it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you don't have a legal right to do that in Australia. Mm-hmm. I'll give you another example was um, a woman in Victoria in Ballarat, and this one's flying around on social media at the moment because it's quite traumatic to watch. This is a recent one, hey? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's quite yeah. traumatic to watch where she organises a protest. She's like, yeah, you know, we, we, of course you can organise a protest because Australians just we, just, we all just assume you can do that mm-hmm. because these are, this is legislation that has never been enforced in the past or has rarely been enforced. Yes. You know, somebody organises a protest and everybody complains that, oh, such and such a streets were blocked off by protesters and they didn't have a permit. But nobody does anything about it <laughs> because the political consequences are going to be negative. Uh-huh. And so then we just, you know, we all just assume until something like COVID happens and the law is actually kind of used for the first time. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly we realise, no, you don't actually have that right. Hmm. 
And so you've got situations in the United States, very different from Australia. So in California, you have, I think it's John MacArthur's church, um, who took it through the whole court system to be able to have normal church service during COVID. No restrictions whatsoever at all. And uh, one, because of the United States Constitution. You could never do that in Australia. Yeah, because we just don't have the legal background. We don't have the legal, uh-huh. that's right. Absolutely, because, um, you know, the Constitution says basically you can't make any law that restricts a person's liberty of worship. Yeah, right, right. So that means you can't make a law that says during a pandemic you can't go to church. Now, it may not be wise to go to church, but you can't make that law. <laughs> Interesting. And so you've had these interesting legal battles and challenges that take place between Australia and uh, you know, in Australia or in the US and interesting contrasts between the two. Mm, mm. Often in Australia, our religious liberty comes down to legal exemptions or even instructions for the jury. And so um, you will, you will and, which is very, very frail religious liberty. Yeah, wait, so what does that actually mean? So a legal exemption is um, we have exemption from uh, – we're allowed to do discriminatory uh, employment. Oh, okay. We can discriminate when we employ uh, here in this office mm-hmm. uh, because this particular office is run by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We can discriminate against people who are not members of the Adventist Church when we employ them. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in a normal workplace. You can't yeah. say, well, I'm not going to employ you because you're a um, belong to the Uniting Church. Whereas here, because we're only employing you know people who are Seventh Day Adventist to run a Seventh Day Adventist program, we can have you know, and that comes through as a as a legal exemption. So this is the law: you cannot have yep. discriminatory employment, except so there's an exemption. So that's a, a, a much weaker than an inalienable right. Yes. Yep. So the U.S. Constitution recognizes religious liberty rather than legislates it. That's very, very yeah. powerful. It recognizes it rather than legislates it, and by recognize it, you know, it obviously it creates a legislative base for it. Yes. Whereas we say no, that doesn't actually exist, but we'll give you an exemption so you can do it. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. It's a big difference. That's a really it is a very big difference. big difference, and, and people I think, don't realize those differences. And that's really, really important. I think because I know I've heard many conversations where it brings up different topics, which are actually really important topics, but I'm like, yeah, but that is based... And I don't know a lot about politics. Like, let's just put that out there. But some of the things that they've said, this is kind of what you're talking about, is they're actually referring to um, America's statistics for things, America's legal systems for things. I'm like, yeah, but hold on. That's actually... Or even America's culture for things. I'm like, you know what? Australia might have similarities, but there are also massive differences. Yes. Like, so when you start to talk about the legalities that you bring in, just... You know, just like be aware of that. That yeah, let's have the conversation. But yeah, we need to know if you're going to speak about it in the context of Australia. We need to use the context of Australia. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. Like, <laughs> you know, if there's an emergency, don't call nine one one. Hey, that's a real thing. I know. Yeah, I know. some kids that were like watching movies. They're just like nine one one. Incorrect. I think it will actually work. In Australia. I haven't tried it, but I remember someone telling me that they had made. It. I don't know if that's true, but someone told me that they don't try it. Yeah, don't try it. Don't try. Have it. an emergency. Call triple zero. Yep. <laughs> okay, so that was an interesting uh, um, comment coming through there. I thought it was worth um, yeah 
yeah, just having a discussion on and highlighting some of the uh, things that we take for granted that don't actually exist. And you look into the future and you look what the Bible says about restrictions on religious liberty that will take place before the return of Christ and think, well, how could that happen? And, well, actually, it could happen very easily in this country. Mm-hmm. Very, very easily. Okay. Where are we up to? Small group dynamics. Yes. Let's get into this. Yes. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Okay, dog. Acts 4, verse 31. And we kind of probably need a few verses of um, context for this passage. Um, back up a couple of verses for us there, Minnie, just to uh, so we can see what's going on okay. here. Okay, to verse 27, maybe? Yeah, why not? Okay, so Acts 4, uh, 4 27. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod, Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servant, great boldness in preaching a word. Stretch out your hands with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with great boldness. Okay, so. Was this Peter's little sermon? No, this is prayer. Oh, hey. Yeah, you're reading a prayer. Yeah. Okay, so they are praying together. And what is the result of them praying together here? Oh, mate, they get the Spirit. Absolutely. In a big way, go preach the word of God with boldness. So this is the second time that this has happened. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to the first time it happens, is in Acts chapter 2. And in both of these occasions, you've got a small group of people. Mm. It's not huge. Mm-hmm. You've got 120 people in Acts chapter 2. This one would be smaller again. Yeah. Just a small prayer meeting. And it creates an environment for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. So what we find here is that small groups provide an environment for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But they also provide an environment for this whole theme that we've been working on, you know, down through this week is that small groups is how the world is reached. Yes. So you think about it. Christianity is the largest religion in our world today, and that was all accomplished by 120 people. (laughs) That's crazy when you think about it in that kind of... Yeah, Yeah, how many billion Christians are in the world today, and that was all accomplished by 120 people. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, if you were to go back to those 120 people and said, all right, there's 7 billion people in the world and you've got to go and reach every single one of them? Yeah, that's too much. That's overwhelming. That's ridiculously <laughs> overwhelming. <laughs> not going to do it. And this is why Jesus said, look, start in Jerusalem. Mm. Jerusalem at that time was, by our standards, an average-sized country town. Mm, by ancient standards, a very large city. But by our standards, yeah, an average-sized country town. Interesting. And Jesus says, just start here. Now, if you've got 120 people and you send them to, say, Wagga, <laughs> that's, a decent, that's a decent number of people to evangelize every single person in Wagga. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, Minnie, you've done church planting. If you were going to go and church plant in Wagga, there's already church there. But let's say you're going to go and do a, a church plant there. Uh, and you were like... Okay, what do I do here? And someone's like, here's 120, you know, enthusiastic, on fire, spirit-filled young people. Mm-hmm. 
You'd be feeling fairly confident. I was going to say, if you just started with just sending me out, I was like, oh, dread. <laughs> like, but I'm yeah, by myself. Yeah. <laughs> 120, that's. But then when they started, they spent so much time together in prayer. And I actually, there's a little personal thing I have. I actually think we often don't wait for the spirit. Yes. Now I'm like here. Okay, it, yeah. ooh, just yeah, hang on a second. Yeah, hang on a second. Hang yeah. on. I'll, I'll hold that thought. Mm-hmm. It's a really good thought. I want to find out, and I'm wondering whether our producer can look up for us um, the population of first century Jerusalem, just so we can get a. Ooh. Maybe it's not Wagga. Maybe it's somewhere else. Yeah, that'd be so good to know. look that up and find us an equivalent, an equivalent city or town here in Australia. That'll that'll help us to understand this picture better. All <laughs> so right, let's come back Jerusalem. to Jerusalem. First century Jerusalem. First century Jerusalem. First century Jerusalem. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I just I think that was something that's interesting to me. I was talking to a friend um, recently and we're just looking at how many times there's, there is this waiting for the Spirit and that the Spirit has to be there. Whether that's baptism, whether that's evangelizing, whether uh-huh. that's uh-huh. – there's just so many uh-huh. – whether it's the gift of the Spirit, right? Uh-huh. You know, Thanksgiving, all the things. We'll go and do this once the Spirit falls. Mm. But – we don't really take the time to allow that space. Do you know what I mean? Like how many prayer no. meetings have you been – like with these guys, when they pray, like that, like we were talking about the 120 in that upper room, they were hard out praying. That wasn't a we're going to come to a – and I'm not I'm not saying this to be like aggressive, but, like, but how many <laughs> prayer meetings have you been to where it might be a week-long event, it might be a week of prayer or just whatever, and it's like – maybe 30 minutes prayer, sometimes not even that, maybe 15 minutes, maybe the last five minutes of, hey, just get a partner and pray together. Okay, so here's how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who – so Faith FM is owned by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and so Minnie and I can talk well about you know our particular church culture. And within the context of our culture, mm-hmm. we love to study the Bible. That's kind of our space. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's our thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's our thing. And so you go to Adventist prayer meeting, you have lots of Bible study. <laughs> and prayer is that afterthought that we tack on the end because, well, after all, we did call it a prayer meeting. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, isn't, isn't that That's a fact? That's how it is. Yeah. Isn't that how it is? No, and actually, yeah, that, and look, that is a really good point because, yeah, there are groups who do prayer really well. Um, yes. Yeah. And oh, and there, there are groups within the Adventist church, don't get me wrong, who do prayer really, yeah, really well. Yeah, of course. And we have an annual prayer conference that happens um, here in our conference. Mm. Which is great. It's fantastic. It's amazing. Still, a lot of Bible study happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like it's in our DNA. We can't get away from it. We don't know what to do if we're not studying the Bible and learning something new. <laughs> it's true, but yeah, and I think that's what I appreciate about this is like Peter just says this prayer, right? And then after this, it says they were filled with the Spirit. Yes, it doesn't. It doesn't start with the I have to go do the thing and convert the people. No. It doesn't start with that. It starts with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. It starts with prayer. Yes, which is and just connection then, with God. And then being filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that's the sincere thing. Like I think you can try to do the right things and run the right programs, and they can be great, and I think God can use us in, you know, even if we're not in the space that we maybe should be, God can work. Like I know sometimes I've been like, man, this is the worst stuff I've been spiritual. Not always, but – and God will still do things that I'm like so humble by. I'm like, mm, that was not me because <laughs> that was all Jesus if anything good comes out of that. But we can run the right things and do the right actions and behaviors and um, that's not being filled with the Spirit. No. You know? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people can be really good at the program or go, oh, this worked really well this one time so now it's the formula. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, do you know God? Have you read the Bible? As in how many times when he defeats an army, it's a different tactic every time. When Jesus healed, he doesn't always do the same method every time. Maybe he might, but he doesn't have to. And I think as humans, but we're like, but but we, we like the, the checklist. We Just do. tell me we the do. order. And Let me shut it. my brain off. <laughs> I don't want to have to think. Yep, yep. Just uh, shut my brain off and I can just tick a bunch of boxes and we're good to go. Yep, yep. Yeah. And even with this, the fact that sorry, I mean, I'm just doing a lot of no, no. You go for it, go for it. <laughs> no, go but, me. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> it's something I've been thinking about recently. I like. I'm definitely intimidated by sharing certain things and knowing like what spaces to step into. But I love that in this section, Peter is like the boldness of sharing Jesus comes. That isn't driven by a guilt of oh, I should share. I haven't done this. Must do more. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes I can feel that's like oh, you know, I haven't. And I think that's a good drive, but it that can't really be the central motivator. Whereas here, in this verse, when the Holy Spirit is given, it's like, now the boldness comes. But again, comes after that time with God in prayer. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, um, yeah, if you've got some thoughts that you'd like to share, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, or text us on 491 and uh, we'd love to hear what you've got to say. We've got Absolutely. a few uh, text messages, phone calls coming through. And really, really appreciate what... Um, wow, many. I should have just given you this Bible study. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where to go now. It's like... Anyway, <laughs> let's just go to Acts chapter 12 and verse 12. Acts 12 and verse 12. Acts 12 and verse 12. Says, when he realized this... Wait, he being Peter, I believe... When Peter realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. So, Oh, yes. So I got some context. All right. Yeah, give us some context. Um, basically, he's been in jail. Yes. He gets out. He goes to this home. Yes. The people are there praying for him. Yes. Yeah. So how does he get out of jail? Does an angel come? An angel comes. Yeah. He's like in the inner, inner, inner. You and know, he thinks he's, he's in a vision. In a jail. He's in, he's in maximum security. Yeah. And so if you get out of maximum security, you've got to go past four sets of guards. Ooh. Like he's right in the inside of the inside. And he's in such maximum security, um, he's in a cell with two guards. They, put, they, they, throw two guards, <laughs> right, yeah. they throw two guards in the cell with him mm-hmm. and chain him to both of those guards. Yeah. That'd be a rough gig if you were a prison guard. Oh, yeah. Um, you got to spend time with a hardened criminal. <laughs> it's like, what did I do? <laughs> but uh, so he's in he's in a, in a position which is the most dangerous position that there is. Uh, for sorry, the, the position that is reserved for the most dangerous criminals. And the angel sort of comes along and undoes his shackles, and the guards just stay asleep. And the angel opens the doors, and he's like, "Yeah, this is a great dream, isn't it?" <laughs> Yeah. And he gets out and he's on the street and he's walking down the street and he's like, yeah, this is a great dream. And then he feels the cold night air and he's like, wait a minute, wait, wait. I think I'm awake. I think this, this is, is not a dream. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a dream. So where does he go? He goes to a home. Mm-hmm. And what are people doing in that home? They're praying. Now, this is one of the most <laughs> hilarious stories in the entire Bible. <laughs> it's actually so good, isn't it? So you have um, a ditz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the most lovable dits in the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, named Rhoda, uh, who comes to answer the door, and Peter's knocking on the door, and she's like, "Who is it?" And because like middle of the night, he's like, "It's Peter." 
She's so happy. <laughs> she leaves him standing there, goes running back inside and says, Peter's outside. And they're like, no, it's not Peter. He's in prison. Maybe you saw his ghost. <laughs> so let's pray for something. And when it happens, let's not believe that it happened. <laughs> this, is, this is humanity right here. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We've just been having an interesting off-air discussion here trying to discover the size of... First century Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me, you guys were talking about this, but how? What would a town be in relation to what you think it was? Give me, give me a town that I can think of now. Okay, so uh, what we need uh, our producer to do now is to. So we're gonna we're gonna go <laughs> <Okay>. with. <laughs> We, we, we did we, – he's been just researching here for the last 10 minutes like crazy. So I've got another research job for him. Uh, looking for the population of first century Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And the estimates vary wildly. Yeah, huge. <laughs> between 30,000 and 600,000. That's kind of a pretty significant, significant variation. Yeah. So 600,000 comes from the Roman historian uh, Tacitus or Tacitus. And uh, 80,000 – comes from the Biblical Archaeological Review. So if you're going with 600,000, you're looking at a city the size of the Gold Coast. That's pretty solid in my mind. Geographically, I would say that that's not possible and the Biblical Archaeological Review uh, has looked at it from a geographical uh, perspective as well and gone, yeah, no, you can't have that many people living on that small of a piece of real estate without having you know, some pretty significant high-rise yeah, buildings, yeah, yeah. which they didn't have. Yeah. And so they've looked at it from a from an archaeological perspective. They've come up with 80,000, and there's a bunch of people that are estimating, it seems, somewhere between the 60 to 80 mark. Yeah, okay. So we're going to run with 80. So what we're going to look for is uh, it produces to find a town in Australia that's about 80,000 people. There you go. That's your, that is your challenge. Uh, and we will have a comparison coming up. Um, yeah, we did get into some interesting history there during the song break. Where were we up to? We were in Acts chapter 12, 12 and about Peter. verse 12 and this hilarious story. That's right. Mm-hmm. They have a prayer meeting to pray for Peter's release. Their prayer is answered and then they don't believe it. Isn't that like just <laughs> a yeah. yeah. You know what? I can relate though, to be honest. Like I have been that person before. Not to this degree. Yes. I've never had someone like that I've prayed for come out of prison or anything like that. It's quite cool. No, but I've definitely been that person as far as yeah. doubt goes. Yeah, that you're like, yep, we're praying. It's sincere. Like, yes, we're giving this to you, God. And then like answered prayer and you're like, no, no, no. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was just a random event. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy, but... No, this is, uh, this is a truly hilarious story. But the important part is that they're having a small group parent meeting together. And this is what we find in Acts 4. We find mm. in Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 12. Mm. Okay, you're starting to see a pattern here. Absolutely. Of small group prayer meetings and powerful things taking place. Yeah. And God is moving even when they don't believe. Like, That's right. You know. Okay, Acts 20. We'll head over to Acts 20. Verse 17, Acts 20 and verse 17, please, Minnie. We'll head over there now. Oh, by the way, a couple of things. Yes. Um, I just somebody called up to comment on the importance of the Holy Spirit. Yes, yep. And, you know, we often look at the importance of knowing our Bibles Mm. so that we can share the Bible. The equal importance is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Yep. Because if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you have nothing to share. Yep, absolutely. So we're looking at uh, a town about the size of Mackay. Yes, okay. In Queensland. Yep. 
I nearly, I nearly said McKay. <laughs> Liam would have. Liam would have. McKay. <laughs> Liam would have had a conniption fit. You know what? I've heard people say both though. So what is the right answer? Liam is your resident okay. uh, Queenslander. <laughs> it's uh, it's Mackay. Yeah. It's definitely Mackay. Hundred percent. But is that like an English rule that it's Mackay, or is that just what the locals call it? It's just what everyone calls it's it. Just what it is. <laughs> it's just what it is. I I have been educated. I am a Tasmanian, uh-huh. and I had to be educated on this one. Uh-huh. And I was educated in no uncertain terms oh. and in such a way as that I was never going to make You'll this You'll never mistake. get it wrong. Yeah, no, I'm never going to get it wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is no, there is no such thing as. So you're looking at a town about that size okay. is the equivalent. Um, so if you were sent there with 120 people filled mm. with the Holy Spirit, you'd be like, yeah, we'll go plant a church there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what Jesus says, start in Jerusalem. You know what? And then he says, mm. sorry. No, no, you go. Then he says, go to Judea. Mm. So that's like South Queensland. Then he throws in some areas. As in like the bigger. Yeah, the bigger We're getting area. bigger and bigger space, yeah. yeah. You're going from Mackay down to Brisbane. Mm. Then he throws in some area, which is part of that region. Mm. And then he's like, the whole world. Yes. It's kind of how things go viral. But you start with the small space. You start what's in front of you. Yeah. Mm. Something I was going to say, which is really interesting, like I was talking to a friend about how there's – Obviously, the, in the Bible, this is what happens, right? You have the 120 people, awesome, filled with the Spirit. They go out. There can be a danger, though, when you have too many people that you do too much inreach, if that makes sense. Like, unless you're really intentionally being Oh, like, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're coming together more. to pray, to study, to then go share. Like, that has to be really, really intentional, clear purpose. Otherwise, it could be that you go with your 120 people up to Mackay, and then you just do your own church and you don't actually have to assimilate into the town. Do you know what I mean? Like there's actually has to be very, um, very specific purpose. And I think like we see that in the Bible, that's what they have. Like the spirit is given that they go share. It's not given that they just stay in their small group alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, that's what it's all about, getting out there and sharing the word. Where were we going? We were in uh, Acts, 7, Acts 20, right? Verse 17? We were, we were. Okay. Um, do I need to read... Any context or we can just read this? Let's just read this one and then let's decide whether we need context. Okay, cool. So, but when we landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus asking them to come and meet him. Okay, keep going. Bing, Paul, I think. Okay, so when they arrived, he declared, you know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I've endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having our faith in our Lord Jesus. Yeah, great great passage right there. And once again, uh, if you go down to verse 27 to uh, 32, we've got the same principle. Paul is meeting with small groups. It's a small group ministry right the way through the book of Acts. Mm. I'm reading that part? Yep, 27 to 32. Uh, For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. For I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God, and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. Ooh, 
That's a good. That's a good little section. It's a great <laughs> little section right there because he's he he could go and like oh, okay, how do I how do I solve the re, solve the church in Ephesus? How do I deal with this region here? Mm. And he's like, no, I'll meet it with a small group yeah. of the elders. We'll get together, and he goes through and he is reaffirming the gospel message as he does so. This is God's method. Go. No, I was just going to say. I heard recently that someone said people will work for a what, but they'll cha- they'll give their lives for a why. And I was just thinking that in terms of this, like Paul doesn't just say this is what you're going to have to do. He's like, why am I going to do this? Because of our Lord Jesus. Why? Why are you going to do this? I mean, you've seen my tears in the work. Why would you know? I think that drives people to act. It does. It does. That's such a good statement, right? Yeah, there. I know. And I think we need to really, we really do need to focus on the why of everything mm. that we do. Everything in the Bible comes with a why. Yeah. There. And that why here, of course, is the fact that Jesus gave his life for us. He died on Calvary. Um, he is our Lord and our Savior. And he is the one who um, draws us to him. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.